Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. Wow, it's so good to be together, isn't it, eh? Uh, if you're at home, I hope you're looking forward to next week, the 23rd of May, uh, when all the congregations are opening up and we can be together uh, like we are in the room now. It's brilliant, isn't it? Just the presence of God and having time and space to, to worship together. Now, this morning, uh, I, I believe that the subject and what we're going to be looking at this morning is so, so relevant now for what is happening around us in the world and how God has called us as a church to be such a voice. Uh, and when I say a voice, I don't just mean on a soapbox saying loads of stuff. It's being very present in people's lives uh, and being God's heart and voice into their lives at this time. Whether that's to one another, because that's what we need from each other, or those that don't yet know Jesus. People are neighbours, our friends, our community in, in different ways. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at our theme, Jesus said, and then a number of things that kind of follow on from that. And we're looking at what did Jesus say about the kingdom? What does it mean to live the kingdom life? And we've been looking through the first few verses of Matthew chapter 5, which in our Bibles talks about um, the, Mount of Be- the Sermon of uh, the Mount of Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount of Beatitudes or whatever. And we're going through some of these things, very, very practical stuff that, that Jesus spoke about. Now, this morning, um, the verse that we're going through is Matthew 5, f- verse 4. And we're going to unpack that. And I believe it is so, so relevant. And the verse is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we're going through our nation and many nations are going through a time where there's so much trauma, so much fear, so much anxiety, pain, uh, suffering in different ways, uh, mourning and grieving. And on, on some way, we might just look at that verse and say, well, why, why are we looking at that at this moment? I, I believe it's one of the most relevant verses we could be looking at as the church because God wants the church, his church, to be healthy at this time and dealing with the challenges that are going on, uh, whether it is in the context of grieving and mourning. He wants us to grieve and mourn in a healthy way, in a right way, but also he wants us to be healthy because he wants us as the church to minister to people that don't yet know him, that are going through all kinds of things in their lives. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to have Roger uh, here this morning. And uh, some of you know Roger Green. Uh, maybe many of you don't. He's part of the Horsham congregation. Roger, it's, it's brilliant to have you here this morning. Uh, welcome. And uh, we're going to have a bit of a conversation and really unpack that verse this morning. And a lot of it is, is going to come from Roger's own personal story uh, of what he's been going through the last few years and how God has been right in the middle of that and, just, uh, and how just some of the, the realities and, and the reality of what he's been going through. And uh, so great to welcome you this morning, Roger. And uh, just before we get into that, um, maybe just say hi to everybody and maybe say a bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, particularly the fact that you're a Liverpool fan and uh, <laughs> I'm an Arsenal fan and Liverpool are just doing slightly better than Arsenal, only slightly this season. But Roger, welcome. Maybe just give a bit of an introduction to yourself. Yeah, thank you. And uh, good morning, everybody. It's actually great actually to be in a room with people. Isn't yeah. It? Just, you know, I was reflecting on that on the way in this morning. It was about 
I think it's about 14, 15 months since I've actually been with people yeah. in the church. Um, and maybe there's, uh, the, there's something that, that goes to the heart of what, I'm, you know, what we're going to be talking about today is, you know what, 15 months ago or 12 months ago when my wife died, I could not have been in this room with you. I could not. I could not have uh, been in the pain that I was in, in this room with you at the time. And that was some of the reality of what I kind of learned in the journey of grief and mourning. For those of you who, who uh, don't know about my story, my, my, my wife, Vicky, was uh, diagnosed with dementia over about five years ago and sadly died last April, just over a year ago, uh, from COVID-19, as it happened, uh, in a dementia care home. And that meant that neither me nor my family could actually be with her uh, as she, uh, you know, it was seven weeks between the, the last time I saw her alive and when I next saw her in her coffin. That was the reality of some of what people have been going through in the COVID experience yeah. of loss. So not only is kind of grief and loss tough work, but going through that experience in COVID has been so difficult for so many people. And of course, I've been coming across cases of that in the church, but there are, that is multiplied out there yeah. in the world. Yeah. And so there's a lot that, that I believe God is doing in us to be able to love the world, to love ourselves yeah. in this process, but to be able to love the world as well. Yeah. One of the things that we, we've had lots of conversations we, over the last yeah. year or so, well, longer than that, but particularly the last year. And obviously what you've been through in terms of what that just brings up in terms of losing your wife and the impact on your family and, and that, that grieving kind of whole process that we're going to unpack in a really healthy way this morning. There's, there's a couple of verses that you particularly have uh, kind of talked about that really helped you identify how God is with us in the midst of a challenge like this. Yeah, that's right. Um, Isaiah 53.3 yeah. prophesies Jesus as a man of sorrows, deeply acquainted with grief. So grief, that, that scripture tells me my grief and my mourning are not a failure of my faith. Right. I'm not failing in my faith, actually because Jesus was a man of sorrows, deeply acquainted with grief. And um, I mean, there was a point, it's probably about oh, a year and a half ago, but maybe a bit more, uh, actually here in front of this altar, that or this, this stage, whatever we want to yeah, call it. Not an altar, no. Not an altar. <laughs> um, yeah. But just worshipping and in, I frankly was in deep in grief, but Jesus just appeared to me weeping. And I knew it was that, that John 11 uh, scripture is yeah. as, and I could see it that Jesus wept, you know, it's shortest verse, verse in the Bible. But I also knew that at that time, when Jesus wept, he knew the outcome. <laughs> he knew Lazarus was gonna be raised from the dead. You know, he took four days 
to get there yeah. after he was called. So he knew what the outcome was going to be, and yet he wept. But he wept out of compassion for Martha, for Mary, and for the Jews who were with them. Yeah. So it was the compassion of his heart, seeing how he wept, tells me, actually, I am a new creation, but in my new creation, I can weep. In my new creation, I can, as a new creation, I have emotions. As a new creation, I have reason. As a new creation, I have a new spirit. All of that is made new, not just the spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when, I w when I was made new, I was made new as a whole person in my body, in my spirit, in my soul. Yeah. So in my emotions, the deep emotions that I was experiencing, because grief and mourning are out of emotion. And yet we, we've kind of been, and this is something about our society, I believe, uh, we've been taught to suppress our emotions, particularly the blokes amongst us. <laughs> we've been taught to suppress our emotions, apart from when we're, you know, in the cop singing for Liverpool or, you know, you, know, you at the Emirates. I've got, I've got no emotions for that whatsoever. No, no, no. Well, well, you don't get to sing and chant that much in, in victory, <laughs> do you, in Arsenal? But there we go. But we always have hope in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's helping to... Knowing that my emotions are not a failure... Right. Knowing that in my emotions, I don't have to feel shame. Right. I don't have to feel guilt. Yeah. I don't have to feel as though I'm failing. Yeah. Now, there's a, there's, there's a difference between being possessed by a spirit of grief and grieving. They are two different things. Right. And I know in my own experience, I, there was that, that point I've mentioned about seeing Jesus weeping for me. I had a spirit of grief oppressing me. Right. And it was in laying that before the Lord that he released me from it. Didn't mean I didn't grieve. I could still grieve in my emotions. Can you just describe for a second then, when you say spirit of grief, yeah. can you just describe what you mean by that? What, what's the difference between just really being oppressed by something yeah. like that and then just na that, that natural process of yeah. grieving because of loss? Can you just describe yeah. the difference? I mean, it might be easiest just to, if, if I describe the experience okay. I went through to yeah. be able to kind of yeah. tease out the difference. But I was, um, so we were here. It was October 2019, I even remember that. And so this is before Vicky? This, this, was, this was when Vicky was still alive. Yeah. And I was, I was grieving because of the, my knowledge of my loss. So I had present somebody I was grieving for because she was losing her language, losing her ability to understand, losing her, her, um, her behavior, her, her ability to navigate the world. Yeah. And I was grieving on all of that. And I, I recall very distinctly being here, and um, I think uh, Toby um, was, was leading, leading about worship. It was about leading a worshipful life. And um, bless her heart, I'm, I'm sure she won't mind me naming her, but Rachel Imhoff got up on stage and started singing prophetically. And she sang prophetically about healing those who are grieving. And my reaction, I've told her this, my reaction out there was, how dare you? How dare you pray 
for healing of my grief. My grief is my grief. Right. How dare you? Right. And what I realized, and then the Holy Spirit just said to me, that is why you need healing. <laughs> right. Because what I'd done was take on an identity right. of grief. Right. I'd taken on a spirit of grief that was really overshadowing and overwhelming me. Yeah. I, I, I came out in worship, and it was at that point I just submitted it to the Lord, and that's where I saw him weeping for me. Right. It was really interesting, because as, as I got up, I, Phil Pooley, bless him, he was, he was behind me, and he said, just as I stood, he saw a spirit of grief lift off me. Right, right. The spirit, the oppressive spirit of grief. Didn't mean I couldn't weep, I couldn't feel all the emotion, I absolutely could, but it was in that, that emotion as the new creation, yeah, yeah. not as the oppressed spirit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's powerful. Because yeah. you've had a number of moments during the past period of time where you've, you've had to process, if you like, or yeah. work through some of the, the responses or the impact of, of loss. Um, yeah. Can you just maybe talk through some of that? Because like you, you said, um, we don't want grief to cause shame or to lock us down and everything, but yet there's emotion, there's things that happen in our lives. And sometimes as Christians, we think, well, I've just got to faith it out. Yeah. I shouldn't feel that. I should just believe for this and that and the other. And sometimes we can deny or suppress what's going on in us. So what, when you've been through this period of time and things have been happening in you, how have you dealt with that in relation to God and in relation to what he's doing in you? So I, I'm, I'm one of those annoying people who, um, when I have a reaction to something, my question is, what's going on in me? Right. Because I know that how I see the world is my choice. Okay. How I experience the world is my choice. It's nobody else's choice, it's mine. And so what, what I've done, I, I, you know, going through grief, I wanted to understand it. I wanted to get familiar with it. I wanted to research it, read about it, all those kind of things. And, and that led us to doing the bereavement journey, and we'll mention that a little bit later yeah, on as, yeah. as a course. But what, what researching it helped me do was identify some of the emotions that are associated with grief. And they're just natural. Yeah. They're not sinful. They're natural. They're not failure. They're natural. So. Um, Couple of times, one very recent, actually, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I, was, I, I was okay during the day, and then I started feeling really irritated. Right. I was irritable. I was like, oh, I, I just felt down. Nothing had happened that would make me feel down, and nothing had triggered it particularly. But I just felt down. And so I, I kind of thought, well, I, I better go for a walk. I, I just need to pray about this. I need to ask the Holy Spirit what's going on. And, um, and I, I went out for a walk. I was about 20 minutes into the walk. And the Holy Spirit just went, you have suffered a grievous loss. And it was like, oh, oh. And I just started weeping. I was so glad it was a cold, windy day. <laughs> so I, was out there, I was out there walking down by the river near Stenning, and I was so glad there was nobody about because I just started weeping. And that was it. The Holy Spirit just put the finger on 
the wound, if you like, yeah. is I had suffered a grievous loss. And that's what was happening in me. And so I, I, I was able, you know, I could process it, I could weep, I could walk, I could pray. Probably for another three quarters of an hour or so, I stopped the weeping. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, um, and I felt okay again. And there was another occasion recently where, and this goes to the heart of identifying, being able to name and understand the emotions that go on in grief. Um, my, my sister-in-law died at the beginning of February and she had been diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer before Christmas and she was discharged home to die. And her, um, her family basically ignored the COVID rules. They all came from all over the country and got round her and just spent that last two weeks with her at home. So uh, she was at home with her family, dying in her home. They knew she was dying and it was two weeks. And, and when my brother rang me to tell me that she had died, I, I had a meltdown, complete meltdown. And I knew there was stuff that was being triggered in me anyway because Vicky had not been at home. Right. We had not been able to be with her yeah. when she died. Mm. So I knew there was something going on for me, but I was kind of, you know, toughing it through and talking with my brother and staying in touch with him. And, and then he rang me and I had a total meltdown and I thought, oh, this is, this is not normal. I was, you know, I was clearly really, uh, you know, sad, upset at losing my sister-in-law, but it was, no, this is deeper. Right. And do you know what I realized I got? I was envious. I was actually jealous that she died at home. Right. She died with her family around her, yeah? I was jealous of that. Now, I could have gone into, whoa, hang on a minute, you, you know, that is, I could have felt ashamed at feeling envy. Yeah. I could have thought, Roger, what on earth? How can you feel envy for your, your sister-in-law's death? How is that possible? That is completely irrational. Right. But what I realized was, because in the, in the bereavement journey stuff names the emotions, I, I realize it's normal. Envy, jealousy, those kind of things can kick off as a natural human emotion yeah. in, in grief or in mourning. And so I didn't have to go down the route of beating myself up. I didn't have to go down the route of saying, get a grip, Roger, your, you know, your faith, where's your faith? I didn't have to do any of that. I thought, that's it. And, and again, it was just a process of then probably 48 hours naming it, naming that emotion helped me get the healing in it. And it's, it's a bit like, you know, when we got physical, uh, something physically going on with us, we go see the doctor. Yeah. Um, we can have all sorts of thoughts going through our minds before we've got a diagnosis. And it, ooh, is it this, is it that, is it the other, is it, you know, is it wind or is it cancer? You know, it could be that kind of extreme. <laughs> but, but once you, you go and see a doctor, you get diagnosed and you think, ah, at least it's named now. Yeah, yeah. I can deal with it. Yeah. And it's the same with the emotions. So naming envy meant I could deal with the envy. Right. And I didn't have to think, no, you're failing. Get grippy faith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't feel condemned. I felt this is natural. 
Yeah. This is actually a God-given emotion. God didn't make any mistakes when he made me. Um, you know, I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. It's Psalm 139. He made me in his image. All of that is true. I am a new creation. All of that is true. Yeah. And yet I'm feeling these experiences. This is not sinful. This is not shameful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I can name other experiences that I've had along the way where I've known that God has been present in that process. Yeah. Because you're, I mean, the amazing thing if you know God is you have him in you yeah. to be able to go to, to talk through, deal yeah. with stuff and, and even show us what's going on in us to be able to then deal with it. But as we've said already, there are so many people, especially over the last year, that have gone through all kinds of things in different ways that don't have yeah. someone to go to in that way. They might have conversations, they might look for help, but in terms of dealing with the, the effect of what goes on and everything uh, in us. Uh, that's partly why I believe this is so, so important now, what you're, you're saying. And for us as, as, as Christians, I think it's really important that we, we understand what people are going through um, so that we can then obviously get alongside people uh, in, in that way. So yeah. what, just practically in some practical ways, with, with the things that you've been through, um, we often can make all sorts of comments to people, can't we? You know, um, when somebody's going through grief and loss and some of those things can be helpful, but some of those things not so helpful. So um, how, do, how practically can we get alongside people to help people? And we might come to some do's and don'ts in a moment, but I mean, just, just in terms of what have you found helpful as well as God, you know, in terms of how others have got around to help in practical ways? Yeah. Um... I was at President Eisenhower said, there's nothing more certain in life than death and taxes. Um, we, we kind of like, we get, we get accustomed to paying our taxes, don't we? Yet we're not educated or trained about dealing with death. Right. Because we kind of, we, we, we sort of avoid it. Yeah. Uh, and yet, let's face it folks, it's gonna happen to all of us at some point or other. Yeah. yeah? Um, so there is a certainty about that um, and I think in terms of, we have to remove some of the taboo about death and have practical conversations about stuff. We, we um, I'll go in a few moments talk about, you know, some of, some of the do's and don'ts, yeah. but um, Vicky used to talk about death quite a lot. And as a family, we'd say, oh, stop it, for goodness sake. You know, you've got, don't be so morbid, don't be blah, 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 blah. Um, like she, she got us to uh, put our wills together when we were in our 30s. And I thought, no, we got loads of time. Don't worry about death. Don't get concerned about that. But we still did it. And what that meant was because we had the conversations, she made us have the conversations, even though I didn't want to have them. Right. The girls didn't want to have them. We would say, no, stop it, stop it. She would have them. And that meant now we knew what she wanted. It was like a gift to us. So I see it now as her gift, actually her wisdom, that she didn't stop talking about those things. Mm. So there are a variety of practical things that she said that meant that when she lost her mental capacity and later lost her life, there were questions we didn't have to ask ourselves about, we didn't have to agonize over because she'd already made those decisions. Yeah. And we could just fall in with 
um, you know, with, with, with what she had told us. In terms of the practical stuff, the, the most powerful thing we can give is our presence, just our simple presence. Mm -hmm. we, we, I think we overcomplicate what we, how to be with people who've experienced loss. And, and I know we're talking here about bereavement, yeah. um, but people experience grief in a variety of other ways. They can yeah. experience grief through divorce, yeah. through loss of a relationship, loss of a job, loss of a career, loss of a home. Um, you know, there's deep grief associated with all of those losses. But we have, it seems to me that we haven't been necessarily trained, professionals are, but as a society, as a people, we haven't been trained to help people deal with loss. So how do we help people deal with loss? Well, I think the first thing is be present. Yeah. Don't avoid it. Don't pretend it's not there. But on the other hand, don't dig either. Right. <laughs> don't kind of dig into it unless you're invited into it. Yeah. If somebody wants to have a conversation about it, then go with it have the conversation, but listen. Don't be in, second point, don't be in telling mode. Don't say to anybody who's experiencing grief, I know what you're going through. You don't, nobody does. Grief is very personal, it's unique. It's like your own fingerprint. Mm. Everybody's grief is different, everybody's loss is different. And we can't compare losses, loss. Loss is loss is loss. Yeah. And there are deep emotions related to loss. Um, don't think you've got to come up with something clever to say. Don't think you've got to take a spanner to it and fix it, you right. can't. Yeah. Um, what, what helps is being present. When, um, when Vicky died, I was overwhelmed by the number of messages that would come my way, people offering to have a conversation. And I just had to make the choice of, I can engage with three or four people, I can't engage with 60 or 70. I can't tell the same story over again. Yeah, sure. So it's just being understanding that uh, the person who's experienced the loss has choices to make about how they engage but just recognizing they're there, send them a text. How are you doing today? Mm. You know, not how are you doing? <laughs> right. Because they're grieving. Generally, yeah, right. Not, yeah. not are you okay? Because they're grieving. But how are you doing today? Have you had a good day? Those kind of things that are more in the moment or yeah. is there, yeah. you know, frankly pitching up. Uh, I got really blessed by somebody pitching up on my doorstep. I didn't know they were coming with a meal. Yeah just food, you know, to um, my, my eldest daughter's mother-in-law just basically filled my freezer, <laughs> you know, uh, for a couple of months and would do those practical, regular things yeah, yeah. that weren't about, um, frankly, giving me a scripture or anything like that. They were just loving, yeah. just loving me, yeah. being present, loving me, um, seeing me, hearing me, it might even be a text. How are you doing today? If it's too difficult to pick up the phone. Yeah. Because um, I would ignore the phone sometimes, frankly. Sure. I'd pick yeah. it up for some people, I wouldn't pick it up for other people. Okay. Because it was about, do I, you know, 
am I, am I in a place where I can engage at the moment? Am I a place where I'm going to break down again or I'm going to have another meltdown again? Um, but I learned to allow myself to have those meltdowns and not feel as though they were failures. As right, well. right. That's important, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that links on to... There's two, two kind of things I just want to kind of talk through other things. One connected with that, which is the whole, the whole kind of thing about love your neighbour as yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then also how you... Um, with, when Vicky was ill and you were praying and believing... Yeah. Uh, what God did in, in that uh, moment as well. So, I mean, I don't know which one you want to go yeah. to first, but... Well, maybe, maybe, maybe start with the second one first. Yeah. Because um, that, in many respects, was the most difficult one. Like I, I mentioned at the beginning, Vicky, Vicky was diagnosed with dementia back in December 2015. And, I mean, we'd known there was stuff going on prior to that. So the people were praying, people were fasting, people in the church praying, fasting, I was praying, all of the healing scriptures, all of that stuff over Vicky, but not once did the Holy Spirit tell me she's healed. Right. Not once. I never had that witness of the Spirit. And then what, what the Spirit said to me was, he asked me a question. He said, who told you my truth is only for this life? Right. My truth is eternal. Right. Vicky will be restored, but it might not be in this life. Right. Right? Yeah. Now, I had a real difficulty sharing that right. with, other, with other believers. Um, I shared it with some people, and to be, you know what? I felt judged. Right. I could, I could see in their eyes, and one person was kind of courageous enough to say, like, where's your faith, man? Right. Or are you just trying to justify this journey? And, but I felt judged that my faith was failing. Mm. But I know that was the Spirit, that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Who told you my truth is only for this life? Yeah. It is eternal. What was your immediate, what, what was your response to that when, when he spoke like that to you. It was, oh, okay. I will, she will be restored, but it's up to the Lord whether it's this life or the next. Right. I know she's restored now. Yeah. I'm fully confident in that. Yeah. I know she's restored. Yeah. I know she's free. Um, so that was, yeah, that, that was a key moment for me in the journey that I knew. I mean, yes, I had doubts and I heard correctly, Sure. Am I struggling in my faith here? Is my, you know, but yet the Lord was, was intervening at points along the journey yeah. in ways that I knew were only of him. Yeah. Had to be of him. They couldn't be any other way. Yeah. Yeah. They had, I, knew his, I knew he was on my case, but I knew he was in my case right. as well. Right, right. Yeah. Wow, well, it's powerful. So did that, did that What was change? the first question? Sorry. We'll come back to that in a second. Okay. <laughs> so did that change then the way you prayed after that? Or did it just help to, say, resolve something yeah. in you, but it just helped to ease what was yeah. going on in you in that, yeah. in that respect? Yeah. It, 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 it did resolve something for me. It didn't stop me praying for her restoration, right. but it right. was like, your will be done, Father, yeah. not mine. So your it wasn't will that be battle done. and struggle in the same way afterwards. It was... It took the struggle away. Right. 
it, it released me from that. Yeah. It wasn't a battle anymore for yeah. me. It, it became a bit of a struggle when I was, I, I was still hearing other people saying to me, oh, she's healed, she's healed. She's, right, you know, right. God's going to restore her. Yeah, sure. And, um, and, and people really battling with that. Why on earth is God not healing her? Why is this not happening? And I was like, I just had to, I had to show them that I had peace, I guess. That's the only thing I could yeah, do. Yeah. I was, yes, grieving, but still at peace that I knew I was in the, you know, she was in the father's arms. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that he was looking after me along the way as well. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, eh? Well, yeah. Just the second part, the, the second question then was um, the conversation we've had several times actually where, where you've talked about in order to care for someone oh, right. yeah, or yeah. to minister to somebody else in that sense. I mean, none yeah. of us are perfect, all right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, but how important it is that verse where Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and everything you have, yeah. but also love your neighbor as yourself. So yes. what does it mean yeah. to love your neighbor as yourself? Because it doesn't mean be self-absorbed, self-centered, yeah. but, but in terms of, yeah. and, and you've said about how the importance of taking care of yourself yeah so that you're healthy mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in every way, so that you can then... Yeah, well, one of the, one of the earliest things when I realized that, that we had to care for Vicky, we cared for Vicky at home for as yeah. long as it was safe to do so, but I realized that A, a we didn't know how long this journey was gonna be, but B, to be able to sustain that, I had to look after my, I had to care for myself to be able to care for her. Yeah. And, and again, it was that, that bit of struggle that says, isn't that selfish? Right. But I now know it wasn't. And that's what kind of then took me to, well, Jesus said the second greatest command is love your neighbor as yourself. What about the as yourself bit? How about we flip that and we say, love yourself as your neighbor? <laughs> right. So how, how do I, if I'm gonna love my neighbor, I have to love myself. I have to take care of myself. I have to be kind to myself. I have to look after my, my, myself physically. I have to look after myself emotionally. I've got to look after myself spiritually. Because I, I, having worked in, in you know, the health and care world, I'd seen a lot of people who'd been carers who simply broke down. They, um, you know, they crashed themselves. Yeah, sure. Because they were so, um, Absolutely, they had to care for their loved ones, um, but they didn't look after themselves in that process. And that was the thing that the Lord showed me was I, I actually had to look after myself in that as well, to be able to come through the process healthily and to be able to, I think at the end of the, the whole, this journey is making meaning of it. Yeah. Right through, the whole journey, I held on to that Romans um, 8.28. In all things, yeah. God works for the good of those who love him. And in the, the struggle with when Vicky was alive with the dementia, every morning in my prayer was, I know, Lord, your truth. This hurts like stink. I hate this journey. But in all things, you work for the good of those who love you. I don't know what it is 
but there's going to be good comes out of this. There's going to, you know, as the, the seed of Vicky's life falls to the ground, something will grow that is good. And that has helped me just keep focus on what is the good yeah. that comes out yeah. of either my, my journey, my learning, or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. What, I mean, just what you're sharing is that in the midst of a lot of pain and, and the challenge of the last few years, um, you didn't walk away from God. <laughs> if anything, yeah. it drew you closer in that, in that respect. And yeah. it's easy, isn't it, when there's challenges in different ways, whether it's this kind of scenario or something else, that we start freaking out and like, God, where are you? What are you doing? And I, there may be, maybe there were those moments, yeah. but you don't live and stay in that moment mm. and, and end up blaming God in that, that respect. So just walking through him, with him relationally and hearing his voice and, and obviously the amazing way that he then ministered to you um, was obviously key to, to yeah. part of taking care of yourself and being healthy all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I remember being asked, what's this then when Vicky was still alive so what's this done to your faith then by somebody who was not a believer what's this done to your faith right and I was able truthfully to answer it's increased it right right my relationship with the Lord has grown closer not looser right through this experience yeah um, because he would speak his truth in I could see his hand I mean, it sounds absurd to say it when you're going through this kind of, you know, the kind of journey that I'm describing. I could see his hand all through. Um, it might not have been how I might have wanted it to be, but I could still see his presence. Yeah. So, I, you know what? Without him, I have no idea where I'd be now. I just, right. I, I just have no idea. Right, right. I, don't, I couldn't have got through it without him. Yeah. I think that's partly why this is so important, isn't it? Yeah. It, at yeah. This, especially at this time. I mean, how many people in our nation, in our, in our street, maybe even next door to where we live, don't have God in their lives yeah. and have been through something in the last year yeah. in their own story that is, is just ruined their, their world? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and I think it starts, as always, it starts with us. It starts with me, Yeah. right? And it starts with us as a church. I think if we, we are able to process our own grief, you know, how can we help the world in grief and mourning if we can't process our own grief and mourning? Yeah. And, and I believe God is doing something in us now around that is helping. I know he's, he's still helping me through that journey of processing my own grief, my own yeah. loss. Because yeah. life is, life, there's loads of loss goes on in life. Yeah. It's just, but we, you know, like we often say our character's formed in adversity. Mm. You know, why would you need faith if everything was hunky-dory and rosy all the time? Right, right. We wouldn't need faith unless yeah. it comes to the points of adversity. But living in, living in faith and living in God and knowing he's there with me right through the journey doesn't make it, any less tough to go through. Well, it, it does make it less tough to go through the journey. Yeah, yeah. Because I know he's with me. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean that the journey doesn't hurt. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to, on, on that note, obviously one of the things that, not just because of your, your situation, but others in the church that have either lost family or friends, we, mm. we obviously started to run the bereavement course. Yeah. Uh, I think we've, this is the third one that's just about to finish. Yeah. 
third online course and you've obviously been involved in that right from the, yeah. the outset and, and wanting to do that. Can you just maybe just let us know a little bit about the Reavement right. course and what is available for people that, that you know, need support and help in that, in that way? Yeah. Well, I, I was the, uh, I did the classic bloke thing after Vicky died and I was, I'm all right, I'm reading stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm right. talking to people, blah, blah. Yeah. And my, um, my eldest daughter told me about the bereavement journey course that was being run by St. Peter's in Brighton. Yeah. And she said, Dad, do you want to kind of sign up for it? I've signed up for it. What about you? And I thought, no, I don't need that. And then um, I, I had one of those moments that said, well, why don't you need it? What makes you think you're so special? <laughs> right. <laughs> that you don't need this. So I did it and it just, yeah, it was amazing. Um, and it was both believers and non-believers. Yeah. And it's kind of framed in a way that is, it's, 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 it comes out of HTB. Um, uh, it's called thebereavementjourney.org uh, if you want to go to the website. But it, it's a set of six videos, six sessions um, that speak into grieving and loss, helps you identify the emotions of what's going on. So when I talk yeah. earlier about recognizing envy, yeah. recognizing a broken heart, being yeah. broken hearted, those kind of things help me name and then process stuff. So there were things that I, I thought I dealt with rationally yeah. in, my, in my brain. I thought I dealt with that stuff. I put it behind me. I'd, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this, I dealt with it spiritually. I dealt with it rationally, but I hadn't dealt with it emotionally. So that envy thing, that bit right. about not being able to be with Vicky as she yeah. died. Yeah or any of our family. I dealt with it spiritually, I dealt with it rationally. I had not dealt with it emotionally. And it was the com it's the combination of the three things together that not, um, that in processing the word of God, we need to process the word of God, not only spiritually, but emotionally and rationally as well, because we are whole yeah. beings. Um, so the, the bereavement journey course helped me do that. It helped me name things and um, seeing the impact. That, so I, I was in a group of people who'd lost their spouses, lost their partners. There were five of us in that. A couple of those were, were non-believers. But seeing the impact of, for those people, that here was a church who was just freely giving love to these people, yeah. helping them process their emotions to the point whereby, you know, I think it was about session four, I, I remember so distinctly one young woman who, who lost her partner, three kids, uh, just said, I have never, I've never been able to talk to anybody about this. She felt safe in a way she'd never felt safe with anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And so when it came to the point of, so the, session six is a faith question six, so it's not um, kind of, overtly evangelistic at all. It's being run by a church. Um, but there's an optional session at the end, which is faith questions. They all signed up. Yeah, yeah, right. They all, because yeah. God was just coming through. There's an anointing yeah. on it. So we, we w w one of my determinations out of that was, well, you know, how do you make meaning out of this loss? Well, we can take this. We can bring it into the church. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, we're, we're coming to the, the end of the third of those um, courses now, and that's really been almost without promoting it. Yeah, it's yeah. It's been through um, the likes of Colin, knowing who the pastors in the church, knowing who's gone through bereavements and loss over this period of time, yeah. because there has been an awful lot 
yeah. bereavement and loss in the church, let alone out there in the world. So um, we wanted, we've, we've had to do it online, which hasn't been perfect, hasn't been great, it's been okay, it's been good, it's been certainly far better than not doing yeah, anything at all, yeah. Yeah. Um, or helpful. Uh, but we want to get next to the kind of in-person groups. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, uh, that's what we've done. We haven't, we haven't actually got dates for the next one, but, but it, there's been a brilliant group of, of people who've come through the course and just said, I want to help. Great, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. In, the, um, in all of these courses now, it's people who've gone through the course who are facilitating the breakout groups and things like that, yeah. who can ask the right questions, just listen, facilitate people to come to their own answers. Sure. That's one of the things in grief. You don't tell anybody what the answer is. You have to help them come to their own answers. Yeah. So if, if, you know, if there is interest in that, either you know, anybody talk to me or at info at kingdomfaith.com just yeah. to express an yeah. interest about that. Yeah. We can get in touch yeah. to talk about when the next course might be. And we also think it's, you know, sometimes with bereavement, it can be too soon. Right. So we would advise waiting at least three months before anybody comes on the course. It's not counselling, by the way. Right. We're not counsellors. We're yeah. very clear yeah. in that. We are not professional counsellors. We're not qualified counsellors. However, the, uh, the videos are done by a professional counsellor who is a, a Christian, one, wonderful woman of God, who just is speaking through the, uh, um, all of this and giving her teaching and learning along the way. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think that's really helpful. And, yeah. and it's one of those things that I think becomes a freedom, a real freedom for people. Yeah. They can break, some real chains get broken. So I'd say it, it's, you know, wait at least three months after a bereavement. But the other side of it is it's never too late. Yeah, right. To right. do it. Right. Uh, there was one, uh, one occasion when it was a husband came with his wife. It's, it, it was the wife who'd experienced recent bereavements. The husband was the one who got the most healing from losing his mother 40 years earlier. Wow. Right? He'd, he'd been carrying stuff that had affected right. the way he behaved, right. the way he saw the world from 40 years ago. Wow. Um, and it's just wonderful to see that kind of release yeah. in people because some of those experiences have shaped the way we see the world, shaped the way we think about the world. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, Roger, thanks. Can we, it'd be great just to have a time just to pray and respond, uh, yeah. whether there's obviously people in the room or whether at home, um, can you just maybe just lead a time of responding any particular focus yeah. that you believe is right to... Thank you, Lord. Yeah. ...to have on that? Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you came as a man of sorrows, deeply acquainted with grief. We thank you that you spoke so clearly, blessed are those who mourn. And Lord, I just want to lift before you ev each and every one, everyone who's either here in person or listening online or recorded or whatever it might be, Lord God, that by your spirit, you would just speak in your love 
into their loss, Lord God. Your love into their mourning, into their grief. Lord God, that you would help them know that what they've experienced isn't wrong. It's not failure, but it's just part of the way that you made us, Lord God. And Father, I want to pray a real release and healing into, uh, into every spirit, every soul, every heart that has experienced that loss, Lord God. Yeah, Lord, in, in, in Isaiah 61, you just, you, know, you came with that anointing to bring the healing to those who grieve in Zion. Yes, Lord God, to turn, mm. just to, yeah, to turn their, their mourning into joy, Lord God. But you take them through that journey, Lord God. We give you praise and give you glory. I just yeah. want to lift every one of those. Thank you, Lord. Dear sons and daughters of God, those children of God, who through these just exceptional circumstances, not just loss, but loss in times of a pandemic, Lord God, that, that's kind of almost doubled down on the grief. But Lord, nothing is impossible for you. We pray healing those hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you just meet with people right now, whether here in the room or at home, in the midst of uh, maybe just confusion and turmoil and just not understanding exactly what's going on. If people feel like they've blown it or they shouldn't be experiencing this, that and the other, Holy Spirit, we ask you that you just come upon them right now and just ease what is going on inside of them. And, and Father, I just pray that what Roger shared this morning, the truth of his testimony and the truth of your word would just bring freedom and liberty into people's hearts and minds this morning. And Father, I just thank you that also you would, through this morning, partly equipping us as a people to understand uh, what people are going through, the impact of grief and loss on people so that we're not flippant. We don't just make statements like, well, where's your faith? Or well, you should believe for this, that and the other. And all of these things that are so easy to come out with, but actually, instead of encouraging, can crush people. And Father, I just thank you for a sensitivity uh, in these moments and that none of us would jump to conclusions or jump to judgment but we would be compassionate and gracious, kind in the midst of these situations. Mm. Father, we're people that we do know, whether, whether they know you or they don't know you, are going through loss and grief in some way. Father, we thank you that you enable us to get alongside them and, and be the right person at the right time in the right way for what these, the, the person needs in the middle of their moment. Yes. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise your name, Father. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, you, you said the spirit of the sovereign Lord was on you. That you came to comfort all who mourn and grieve for those who grieve, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy 
instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Mm. We just pray, Lord God, that as a church, as people of God, as believers in you, that we can be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord yeah. for the display of your splendor. We give you praise and give you glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And just before we uh, sort of close in a few minutes, uh, just in the context of, of what we've been sharing this morning, I believe it's right that we pray for what's going on in Israel, but also what's taking place in India. And in both nations, there's a lot of what we've been talking about this morning, grief, loss, trauma. There's a lot of anger, bitterness. Uh, there's a lot going on. And just want to pray into the Israel situation first of all and I just want to read something that Jane put up on social media yesterday because there, there's obviously a lot of heat in this mm. in terms of who's right who's wrong there's a lot of uh, different opinions and it's a very very contentious kind of issue uh, and as Christians how do we pray into this uh, scenario because we don't pray from a side's point of view because God does not come from in this situation from a side's point of view. Uh, he comes at it from his point of view and what he wants to do. And we want to pray what he wants in the situation. So we're not, we're not coming against people. We're not angry towards people in this scenario. We want to pray with God's heart. I just want to read uh, what she put up yesterday because that would just help for us to pray. I know times kind of gone already, but let's just take a few moments. She said, praying for the Jewish and Arab and Palestinian souls to encounter the Prince of Peace. Mm. Their shakings are not over. The battle for Jerusalem and the land will intensify as the word of God says, but it is his land and he will return to it when his people cry out to him. It is a spiritual battle being played out that the world cannot understand. It's hard to see and hear death and destruction and lies and injustices, but Jesus has a higher way for us to walk in uh, and to pray into, and that ultimately is for the souls of men and women and people and for God's purposes to be, to be done. So let's just take a moment, shall we? Father, we... We just lift the nation of Israel to you right now and all the people groups within that, whether Jews, whether Arabs, whether Palestinians. Father, we thank you that your heart is for every person. Jesus, you died once and for all. And so, Father, we exalt you and lift your name over the nation of Israel at this time. Father, we do pray for those in government and in authority, whether in that nation, in others, that your voice would come through in some way or other to bring peace and to bring uh, order in the natural. Yes, Lord. But also, Father, we pray, as your word says, that you, you return when the nation, when the people cry out to you once again. And Father, we just pray in the midst of the trouble and everything taking place, that there would be a cry that begins to rise in that nation 
towards you to say, God, we need you. We can't do this in our own strength. We can't come through this in whatever way, whether who, what, who, whoever the people are, whether they know you, whether they don't, whether they worship the God of Israel or whether they worship Allah, uh, the Muslim God, whoever they worship, there would be a genuine cry that comes. There must be a way through and out of this. And Father, we just pray that in the nation of Israel, a cry would come for the true Messiah, yes. for Jesus Christ, to bring salvation, the ultimate peace in that nation. And so, Father, we just lift that nation that even today there would be less bloodshed. Oh, yeah. the, the thing would begin to decrease and uh, so that there can be order so that uh, the right things can begin to take place in that nation. So, Father, we thank you and we praise your name. And Father, we just lift the nation of India to you right now, the turmoil, the death and everything taking place there. Father, we just ask you that you would intervene, you would move in that nation. Again, Father, we, we know that your word says that when people worship false gods and idols, that, that, that your hand is lifted off a nation in, in some way because of all the things that go on that, that are not in line with you. But Father, we know that there are believers in that nation, those that worship you, those that honour you. And Father, we pray that you would hear the cry of their heart for their nation at this time, that we join with them. And but Father, even though it might be a small number, we thank you that you honour them as your, uh, those that know you. You honour them, the prayers and the cry of their hearts, and that you would come with your protection, with your healing grace in that nation. And Father, we ask you somehow in both India and in Israel that you would bring good out of these situations where once again your name is honoured and revered both in India and in Israel in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.